Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. This week, the crew answers your questions from Instagram, questions such as how to activate your front delts during bench press, eating with abandon when you're full, and what to do if you find yourself playing tennis without pockets. Luke, Tex, and John provide some pretty creative hints on where to store those balls uh, during the match. While this episode is packed with a ton of good questions and informative answers, some of the best info, in my opinion, is at the tail end. Gym owners are often tasked with the most difficult challenge of pleasing the masses while doing no harm. And all of this comes at a time when the novice athlete likens optimal results with feeling absolutely torched after every training session. If you've listened to us before, our response to this should come as no surprise. More often than not, members are in it for the short-term, superficial results and will play that tune until their goddamn wheels fall off. But for the few who view strength as a multi-year endeavor, they know that training is as much an exercise of patience as it is as forging the physical manifestation. To those power athletes, we salute you. This is episode 216. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of week again where Luke and Tex bring you a very special episode of Power Athlete Radio, the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Tex, I'm excited about our guest today. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you know, it's very rarely we get to hear him speak. Um, <laughs> well, I will say this. We just got a comment on Instagram that we posted that mm-hmm. people just cheers us because, you know, we bring out the best in guests, yes. even though their subjects may be dry or they're scientists and they're we just bring out the best of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to have our guests and we hope to, you know, maybe get them talking. Yeah. Stir up conversation. Today we have John Wellborn. John is a 10 year NFL veteran, hundred career starts, 10, ten playoff 10 appearances, playoff appearances. Uh, uh, Eagles, you guys Chiefs, and honestly Patriots. have the worst senses of humor. And you know what? Texas straight delivery is uh-huh. not very straight. Cause he's laughing the whole time. I know. He's but they don't mean, know that. I got to the new Cali. What's kind of funny is uh Tex just learned what humor was last week. So we're uh-huh. helping to help him develop it. Help me help you help me help you Tex. So, you know, when we found Tex as a young boy in Bangladesh and we brought him in and nurtured him at Luke's bosom to learn the, the craft of power athlete. And he's really grown into a, you know, five Tex foot was, seven. Tex was an aspiring sheepdog uh, <laughs> running real, around the fields real, of so Bangladesh. <laughs> real then, shaggy. You know, what's weird is Luke packed him in his backpack from Sri Lanka. The Colombo, second, Sri Lanka. He, he brought him back in his backpack. Yeah, the second pack, like the second pocket, you know, not I, like the laptop pocket. I believe that I found Luke. Luke didn't find me. Mm, explain. Just one of those philosophy things you wouldn't understand. Because mm-hmm, you can't back it up. Is that kind of like the so glasses just half it? full, glasses half empty type of thing? Well, the glass is always half full. Yeah. Unless it's not. You just need a bigger glass. Or a smaller, a smaller glass. One. All right, people. Let's get on it. So, any updates from Power Athlete Land, Tex? What are we even doing? John and I have been, you know, just <laughs> watching puppy videos. And, you know, John's trying to find both photos. And what have you been doing? <laughs> Uh, managing the academy experience. So we have a lot of, uh, we have a hundred people going through our first semester of the power athlete Academy, the methodology so, course, uh, huh. methodology mm-hmm. course level one. So level one is a key term throughout there. So just a, a general introduction to what is athleticism, uh, training principles and really prepping people to apply strength and conditioning programs or walk into a gym and just have an immediate impact coaching. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see the wide array and range of questions that we're receiving or comments of people uh, either enlightened or asking us to explain further or looking to it. I read every comment and I love them. 
Oh, absolutely. Now, Tex, here's an interesting question. We have 53 comments on our post asking for Q&A today, right? If those that people had uh, satisfactorily completed the Power Athlete Methodology Level 1 course, how many of these questions would be answered for them? Um, how many comments? 56? 57. 57. Yeah, you beat me to it. Damn I know. It. I, my timing is way better than yours. I can read you like a book that was read last week. And dictated to list to on books on tape. That's how it's well fifty eight now. I can do this all day though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, so our next semester, semester zero zero two, is opening up August first. Yes, for sir. Registration. Well, we have pre. So there is a pre registration sign up, and there's already like sixty people on there. So those people are going to get first first whack at registration. So people, if you want to get in on this, go to academy.powerathletehq.com, get your name on the list, put your email in there, all right? And then you will be contacted in the order that your call was received. And that's that, Jack. So I guess prelude text, we did a fucking hip selfie video in the new power athlete facility that uh, bay doors are getting installed today and tomorrow, right, Jay Willie? That's that's the dirty rumor. And then from there, we start to reassemble all the equipment that I fucking disassembled, which is going to be a f- uh, – it's going to go smooth, John. Dude, I can't even tell you how smooth this fucking texted, op's going to go. When you texted me, hey, I want to come open the container and grab some stuff, maybe some sleds and ever, I just was like, don't. Don't even do it. Well, like, we got a football in Texas fucking pelvis model. So, like, well, I think I would consider it a score. <laughs> Pel- 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 pelvis well, Presley? Well, uh, so when I opened those doors, um, we scored some Aleco. Uh, uh, oh, they're comp- sick, yeah. Yeah, those, we scored some Aleco plates uh, here in Austin. Um, I don't know. Maybe this guy robbed a gym. Who knows? I mean, but we found some really nice yeah. uh, competition Aleco steel plates. For, like, 50 cents a pound, right? Yeah, it was something crazy. Like like the type of... Madness. And, uh, it was actually... Um, uh, uh, no Colin BT sent, sent me this, like link on craigslist like wellborn you have to go get these and we went and got them so uh <laughs> when i was when i opened the doors to our uh pod that's holding all of our gym equipment hostage um getting that stuff in there i was thinking to myself first of all how the fuck did luke pack this thing and two um didn't we have to divide that into two yeah we did remember it was uh so you what you are forgetting is i legoed or not oh, Lego, but Tetris, stuff. my stuff on top of all the heavy that's shit. That's right, that's right. So then, uh, and that's then, right. but then there, we did put some gym stuff in there, but we fucking put it yeah, in the yeah, other yeah. pod. Oh, it was okay. just a, so, yeah, yeah. So that's all gym stuff. Uh, but yeah, when I opened it up, I thought to myself, dude, there's, first of all, once that stuff's coming out, it ain't going back in. And uh, right, right. Yeah. so we got to figure out a better delivery system. Like I want to just try to get like a forklift or something gnarly to like just like drop it off. So easy. I'm a fan of manual labor, but <sighs> I know if, why work? Hard if you can work smart, right? Well, I mean, we could do it our normal way, which would be uh, the most single difficult way. Like, hey, let's get a trailer <laughs> and then just load this stuff up plate by plate. Uh, but like, and that's probably the way we'll do it. But well, I first w- it would be like, hey, let's go out to like a real, like eat a lot of meat the night before <laughs> and a lot of wine and then wake up real early and do it. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden it'll hit like four o'clock where it's like 110 degrees here and we'll be like, fuck, I'm tired. So... But yeah. so that's our mission. Harry, you're so, in on that, right? Texas is oh well, uh, so is Gonzalez. A bunch of people have hit me up and been like, yo, man, when you guys reassemble the gym, call me. I'm like, don't worry. I will yeah. have you on speed dial, dude, because we got a lot. Of, I mean, we have what? I mean, thousands of pounds of not only plates, monolift, bench, bars. Uh, dude, we got our conference table. We have a reverse hyper, belt squat. Mm-hmm. So, and we have all of those stand up pillars for doing pull ups, which we are going to repurpose yeah. into um, standing desk into a, well, or bunk beds for tax. 
Ooh. Oh, no, I'm getting my own place, John. I'm growing up. Oh, really? Yeah, we went mm-hmm. apartment shopping yesterday. Ooh. Our, J- our girl Jill showed us the weight room. It's got a step mill. <laughs> uh, and dumbbells up to 80. Dumbbells That's, up to honestly, 80. Honestly, I made my decision right there. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Was, uh, was Jill a looker? She was a great saleswoman with a great personality. All right, let's hit our first question. <laughs> so, uh, uh, y'all talked about eating meat before unloading the containers. So, mm-hmm. let's start with the meat question. Check that. Let's do it. So, when it comes to smoking a brisket, do y'all believe in getting the meat to a certain temp and then wrapping it, or do you keep it bare and build that bark? Uh, Luke, you go first. All right, so I haven't done the fucking brisket yet because I'm too big of a pussy. And let me tell you why. So John gave me his fucking medium egg, which thank you, John. I'm very appreciative. And I can't figure it out still. I'm still in like amateur phase working on ribs and I'm working on chickens. So I'm no good on brisket because, and also my foray into barbecuing and smoking came in California where they don't do brisket. It's tri-tip. Yeah. Right. So I, I could tell you that we just kind of pulled tri-tip up the temp and then uh, you let it sit for, you know, 30 minutes and then you cut into that sucker against the grain and that's pretty good. But I haven't done a brisket yet, John. Uh, so with brisket, I find that um, at least on the egg with the smoker is uh, I get it to the temperature that I want. And then there's kind of a slide scale. Like we've gone to a bunch of different places here in Austin and I always ask them how long they smoke their brisket. I've got anywhere from 15 to 16. Like 22. 20, 22 we, hours. Yeah, like at Egg Fest, those guys were like, we've been here for 22 hours. Yeah, like like the. They were like 19 to 22 hours at like 190 to 200. So. And they kept it on. They didn't pull it and wrap it. Nah, so they uh, with, with the egg, uh, it's better just to leave that sucker on there and just let it go. They also have a um, that, that what was it, the egg thing? Then, uh, oh, uh, yeah, the fucking the autopilot. Genie. Yeah, the egg genie, which uh, I normally wouldn't have bought other than the fact that we were at Egg Fest and we got kind of hammered. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I bought it. <laughs> so for the listeners, Egg Fest is out here in Austin or in Dripping, in Springs. Dripping Springs area. And um, it's Big Green Egg is the is the smoker that John has. And I got one. And uh, it, it, the people just en- they enter to compete on the best fucking barbecue. And you show up, you pay 35 bucks, all you can eat, all you can drink. And you walk around and you sample people's creations. And there's everything from like, listen, guys, I know this isn't paleo. So just listen to me. We didn't have any. But remember that that brisket mac and cheese, yep. right? Which looked really fucking good, but I know the consequences. So I respectively passed. There's dudes doing like fucking apple, um, like apple fritter or yeah. something. And like, they, they, oh. It was amazing. And then uh, all the way to brisket, ring, wings, uh, Korean barbecue style, like everything, tacos, seafood, shrimp. Yeah, it was amazing. But uh, yeah, so we just fucking smashed a bunch of food there. And Jay Willie got this autopilot thing that we got to test out. So uh, we're not that good. I'm, I don't know. Yeah, I guess uh, final answer is leave it on, let it go, don't wrap it. But I know there's a lot of, like on the Big Green Egg forums, because I've read about them, a lot of people pull and wrap, even with ribs. They'll go, you know, uh, three, two, one, wrap for an hour. Uh, I, I like to personally. I like to do steaks like that. So what I'll, I'll do is I'll cook a sear a steak real hot, and so I'll try to do like three minutes aside, three minutes aside, and then I basically uh, put it in, uh, like leave it in, and I just kind of turn everything off and I let it bake, and then when I pull it out, I wrap it up in tin foil and I let the meat rest. Yeah, I yeah. try to go like a one to one for however long it was on the grill is how long I let it rest, and I find that um, that's usually pretty good for me. So I, I tend to only wrap meat. That's uh, and I, I I'll wrap turkey and and and. Uh, poultry but for the most part with the brisket i just let it go and then but it's always nice to like wrap something up in tin yeah. foil to let it sit and you should always let your meat rest well i'll tell you one thing i fucking uh we back in socal we used to do prime rib dinner with like me and ash would do it with jr and e and uh i fucked it up one time and like 
I, I had it running too hot and the thermometer wasn't, it just, I fucked it up. The thermometer was on the bone. I, you know, pulled it, just checked it. And I'm like, holy fuck, I'm an hour ahead of schedule. So I did pull it after that, wrap it, put it in a cooler and let it sit for like two hours. And it actually turned out really good. So that's all I got for you on that one. Who asked that text? I'm past that. Past that. Well, and, and also uh, when we were out at uh, Summer Strong, um, one of the guys, maybe, maybe he's listening, maybe he's not, he has a company called Tacticaloris. And he gave oh, me a yeah, bunch yeah. of uh, seasonings, and uh, I've been using them, and they're pretty amazing. So uh, if you take, if you guys want to check them out, look them out on Instagram. Check out Tactic Calories. There you go, people. He was a cool dude. Super cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Original CrossFit football power athlete. Um, mm-hmm. You know, got up there. He was, uh, you know, there. I think with Brandon Lilly. But as soon as he saw me, he, like pulled away and was like, "Dude, I'm a power athlete. <laughs> this is what I live." You know, he's like, "Dude, you guys like, you know, I'm a super cool cat." And uh, we got to connect and just, you know, OG from uh, back in the day when Power Athlete Field Strong was on WordPress. And uh, actually, I think he had all of those originally. He's like, "I still have them." And I'm like, "Luke, he he has all the stuff." And that that's against t- terms of service. We're coming after you, <laughs> Luke. Luke. And you're like, no, no, no. He gave us seasoning. I'm like, all right, you're good. Yeah, he traded us seasoning. We're fine. It's fucking good. So, so we've been uh, using that. Let's uh, let's stick with nutrition here. And you mentioned the CrossFit football seminar, one of the OG guys. So we got a question from Johnny Velocity. So in the CrossFit football seminar, I remember Luke saying that the PA nutrition performance protocol is not for optimal help or aesthetics. Would you guys have any tweaks to the performance diet for someone with a history of heart disease in their immediate family? My dad passed away at 54 from a heart attack, and his mom did the same in the early 60s. I want to be able to play sports, train hard, but I also need to be alive to do both. Well, well isn't, you, that, isn't ha- the heart disease like a uh, carb sensitivity, John? Uh, well, I mean, could, couldn't it's loaded because yeah i mean this stuff's way more complicated than it, it's not one-to-one it's not like oh you know uh if you eat carbohydrates or you have high triglycerides these are going to be problems uh if you feel that you are uh, at risk for heart disease um the single best thing you should do is there is a test that you can do through the cleveland clinic for heart disease that will list all of your risk factors. Um, it, it, it's a test we do with Dr. Inkledon. Um, I have, uh, you know, some genetic predispositions for some heart disease issues and I got, a, a the most comprehensive panels through the Cleveland clinic. We ran it and I had none of the markers for heart disease. So even though I had a genetic propensity towards it, uh, I did not have any markers. Um, at which point, you know, that doesn't mean go off and just fucking be an asshole. Uh, but what it, it is gives you is a peace of mind that, you know, the trajectory or at least what you're doing today is working. Um, I think the problem becomes, and, and this is what we're really running into with nutrition, health, performance, all these things is that everybody goes, well, you know, I have a, a you know, a parent that died of this. So then technically I have, um, some genetic predisposition. What should I do? I think you should get as much information as you can. I think that really comes from getting blood some, work, right? some blood work done. Um, you know, it's just like supplements. Uh, you know, your buddy says, Oh, I took, uh, I took this supplement. I felt great. You take it. You don't feel great. It might be that he was deficient in something where you weren't and it didn't make much of a difference. So, um, but unfortunately we don't really look at it like, Hey, I should, let me get some testing. Let me see where I'm deficient. Let me see where I'm positive. Let me see. And let me try to create optimal. We just kind of do off of the, uh, 
hey, bro, this works really good. You should take it. Well, if this bro says I should take it, I should take it, you know? Mm-hmm. Or And so it, it just kind of goes back. But I think, especially with heart disease, um, there's a panel you can get done through Cosenta uh, um, and, and Tom Inkledon through the Cleveland Clinic, or you can even request it through your own doctor, so the Cleveland Clinic. Yeah, and I guess for listeners, in short, you know, if you just go Google John Wellborn, tell me what to eat, you're going to see eat with abandon, meat, fish, fowl, seafood, eggs, uh, veggies, roots, tubers, and bulbs, coconut, olive, olive oil, animal fats, and what am I missing, Tex? Avocado. And then herbs, herbs and, spices, and spices, right? So we say eat with abandon, eat to your full, right? Eat when you're hungry. So I guess this this is always, there's two caveats with this approach. One, don't be weird. That has context. You're going to have to go to the event and seminar to understand that. Number two is this is a starting point, right? And it's typically for young, go-hard athletes who are playing sports and training their fucking balls off. And it works pretty good as a starting point. Now, if you're an older, late adopter to training, exactly like John said, you know, most of what we're talking about is nutrient-dense foods, okay? So maybe get an allergy test done, right? So find out things that aren't going to be, you know, trigger some sort of inflammatory response due to allergy. But for for the most part, these things are non-inflammatory foods or reduce inflammation, so you get started on that. You start eating. Go get some blood work done. Then retest your blood work saying, let's say, isocaloric, balanced, right, nutrient-dense foods. And if shit isn't right, then you got to start pulling some levers, right? And uh, the cool thing about the Dr. Tom approach, which John and I do, is we got we have his supplement packs. So he finds out your deficiencies. They give you recommendations on a shift what you're eating, change your activity, you don't know how, but you know, we, I've got Jay Welly on my side, the fucking wizard. And then they also give you supplements to, I guess, how would you say, John? Like, I guess supplement your fucking diet to get your macros or your micronutrient balance in yeah, line. Right. I mean, um, so I, mean, I get, but the point is like test retest, right? You gotta, yeah, I mean, you gotta be diligent about getting part of the problem is, is that, uh, you know, when they looked at all the research, the people that ate the most varied type of diets or the most the most variety that Roy G. Biv, you know, the uh, red, orange, green, blue, mm-hmm. green, blue, indigo, violet, uh, the Roy G. Biv ate for color that ate the, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, the biggest diversity of diet tended to be the healthiest people because they had the most kind of op- uh, opportunity to consume the most amount of nutrients. And they so, could tolerate it too. So yeah. it was like, it's both two-way street. And that was Dr. Tom's uh, knowledge bomb to me at our last symposium. You know, among all the amazing shit he said, the one-liner he hit is exactly what you said. You know, that the healthiest people eat the widest variety of foods, foods, right? And that means you can tolerate it, so you're healthy, and you're getting the most variety of nutrients because you can tolerate it. You know, it's like a back-and-forth two-way relationship, right? Yeah, so, I mean, if... that's why, you know, highly restrictive diets don't tend to be, you know, very sustainable or tend to really be that all that healthy. I mean, I think if you can, you know, find some issues that you have and you kind of exclude them and they make you feel better. I mean, I always ask people, you know, when you start talking about diet, you know, are there any foods that you eat that as soon as you get done, you basically have some form of violent diarrhea or Yeah, it's called Serrano's and it's by Texas Future Apartment. I got fucking Serrano bombed last night. Well, then real you know bad. what you do? You don't go back. Well, but I'm going to go back real good. just to double check if yeah. it was that. <laughs> uh, I'd like to stick with nutrition and then let's get into some training. <clears throat> so uh, Luke mentioned nutrient density uh, and food timing. So we have Ray underscore Reed, R-E-A-D, asks conflicting, conflicting information on nu- nutrient timing and simple tactic of eating when hungry. Is one better than the other? I ask because I find that 
When following certain macros, I have to add in extra food to hit my macro, even though I might not be hungry. All right. So this is Ray Reed. Um, you know, I don't know if this is the guy. Someone asked this on, I think, Field Strong, John, didn't they? Or one of the one of the, the feeds. They, they said, hey, you know, I'm following the leaning protocol. I went to the seminar. The guy said, eat when you're hungry, eat till you're full. But now I'm doing the leaning protocol. And the way it's laid out, it's forcing me to eat while I'm not hungry. Well, here's the thing. Here's my, again, suspicion. This guy has a full-time job, right? He's a late adopter, and he gets an hour of training a day, right? Versus what we're talking about, again, at the, the former CrossFit, the seminar formerly known as CrossFit Football, and the SSA seminar currently is you're working with an athlete who practices 90 minutes a day and probably trains 90 minutes a day, right? And is fucking... And in between that is hitting extreme bouts of intensity that you can't replicate in training. You're going to be fucking hungry like a savage. So what we tend to see for the professionals who are sitting at a desk for eight hours a day in a car for an hour each way to the office and get maybe 90 minutes of solid training in, they're still relatively sedentary and they're under eating. So what I would say is I challenge, I just challenge this guy because I'm the same way. Uh, I used to go fucking... But before we did any of our challenges, like I would go 12 hours without eating and probably hit maybe 2,800 calories a day. But then you knock me up to 3,800 the first two weeks. It's like, oh, I'm force feeding. But then you get into a rhythm where you get a higher training effect out of your training. And all of a sudden you have the fucking bloodlust. You know, you're like, you are starving. So the macro combination thing is a tricky thing. You know, what we have in our leaning protocol our bulking protocol and our performance protocol. These are things that we have personally tested and have worked well for us. So that's what we've put out. And I guess that's the caveat. You know, this isn't a one size fits all approach, but I would be willing to bet my man jump in, just eat, just give it a, give it a whirl for four weeks, be consistent. All right. Eat the right foods. And I bet you that you're going to start to learn how to be hungry. Like it's just going to happen and it's going to be uncontrollable, especially if you really ratchet up the training. So I don't know, John, any experience on that? Like, uh, you know, the microduchian timing thing is kind of interesting. Um, you know, uh, I've really kind of gone back and forth with, uh, with kind of like both camps on this. I mean, I, I know like, you know, the standard, uh, at least what I talked with John Meadows about years ago is he said that the two or the three most important windows in terms of feeding and really macronutrient timing was the pre the peri and the post-workout meal um you know like what you consume before what you consume during and then what you consume after it was by far 80 percent of it uh you know uh, but then i remember i was training early in the morning and i didn't necessarily have the you know want to get up at 4 a.m to eat a meal so i could be at the gym by 5 30 and then consume more uh you know more mm-hmm. of something during and then race and get done and it just didn't work out for me so then he was like we'll just ditch the pre-workout and you know just consume during and then after and uh you know i got to the point where even the 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 peri the the during workout kind of uh you know way we set up the shake was kind of a, still a little too much i mean i historically have always liked to play and work and train on an empty stomach um as soon as i eat i start to feel a little lethargic so i ended up ditching that and just kind of sticking it that way and i think i made similar gains so I think it kind of goes, 
you know, really for you as the individual, uh, really what time you're training. I mean, if you're a early morning, early adopter, like we are where we get up, you know, and it's, uh, I, you know, I'm at the gym, you know, hopefully out of bed by five and, you know, there by five thirty to six o'clock. Uh, I really don't consume anything pre, uh, I'll drink some coffee on the way to the gym. And then, um, I'm not big on the uh, whole intra workout shake. And then I'll eat after if you're later in the day, I think, uh, you have a little more ability to fine tune that. And at the end of the day, like, what does your performance look like? I yeah, know certain that's people, yes, yeah. yeah, certain people like the intra workout shake is huge for me. It makes me feel like I want to vomit. Yeah. And uh, I, well, I'm getting, and then he, well, he was getting at is like, Hey, I'm not super hungry, but I, my, my plan is telling me to eat more when I'm not hungry. Well, uh, and I think like if you're eating more, uh, go fucking harder in the, like go as hard as yeah, you fucking I, can in the well, training. Um, Two, you, you know, people are kind of interesting in that uh, I've, over the years as I've done, you know, diets and worked with people, I've seen two types of people. There's either people that have no concept of how much they're eating because they're overeating or there's people that have no concept what they're doing is they're undereating. And I've been both. Well, yeah, but if you can, if you habitually undereat, what your body does is you do the Luke Summers where you don't eat. Mm-hmm. And then you fucking eat enough for like a small, uh, you know, like the small village, village that we found text at in Bangladesh. Uh, <laughs> As an aspiring sheepdog. Yeah, aspiring sheepdog. You'll eat that much. And I've seen Luke consume, you know, 20,000 calories at one meal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's true. When, for an appetizer, when, when, when we were in Utah, we went to this eating challenge and I watched Luke drink at 40 ounces of whole milk a dozen eggs, a pound of bacon, and like hash browns in this fucking massive thing. Killed it and was looking around like, oh, do you need help with that? I got <laughs> I got murdered on like the appetizer. I was like, I can't drink this. Just threw I remember that. I got the picture. I still, I, I got the picture too. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like at the end of the day, this stuff is uh, general recommendations. It's up to you as an individual to fine tune these things and really see what you work. I mean, um, you know, for me, I you know, there's an X amount of calories. I know that, uh, you know, if I am anywhere under, you know, you know, 11 to 12 calories per pound of body weight, the weight's going to come down. I try never to eat more than, you know, 15 or 16 because I don't really need to try to put on any, you know, any mass, uh, how much you're training. I mean, there's just a lot of factors, but I think, um, if you're not eating enough, you probably either need to start training more or, yeah, yeah. you know, and, that figure ap- away. and as someone who was a habitual under eater, it takes time to learn how to get hung, like for you to, to get hungry. It, 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 it does. It takes like three or four weeks. That's just my, kind of my thing on that. Cause I went from habitual under eating to the bulk text. You know what I mean? Where you are force feeding, but anyways, let's barrel forward on this. Let's one. barrel forward. I got a great training question for us. <clears throat> Shoot. This is from CMPC 83. What's up fellas. Love the podcast products and content. You guys set the standard. Thank you. We love you. Sorry. I'm private. I'm boring. <laughs> follow in, follow me anyways. Uh, one week. One um, one week one of Lean and Able. Any suggestions on how to correct front delt domination when doing bench pressing? Uh huh. Text, just go. I know you're. I can see you chewing your tongue over there. Let's go. I uh, will unprivate your account. Put up some bench press videos and let's check this thing. Well, out. you got to follow first him. Thought. No, you no, no, follow no. him. No, 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 no. I got a standard. I I can't cap four hundred, but. Um, so I would already say you're messed up. So week one, you're having problems with this. That problem existed before you even began the leaning any lean and able training protocol. Uh, so what we would do is essentially try to open you up. I know the objective and why the product of cross over symmetry is having so much success because a lot of the training athletes that are coming to that are, are push, push, push. 
right? So either it's a, a shit ton of push-ups, a shit ton of overhead pressing, not a lot of bench pressing, but they find themselves in internal rota- uh, rotation. So when they come to our seminar and they learn how to f- floor press or heavy horizontal press for the first time, they're jammed up and have the same issue you're having and they can't figure out why. Well, they've overdeveloped in that position. So uh, we need to just bring in, introduce the horizontal pull, maybe throw in some extra H poles or um, just make your own crossover symmetry, right? Get some mini bands and just really start to open yourself, open your chest up. And then there's always my favorite movement. Luke's simulating right now, the Jimmy Buffett. I'm not simulating, I'm executing. Right, so we do have a demo video on our YouTube channel. And when you get a chance, check over out Power Athlete HQ on the YouTubes. Asked and answered. There you go. We got you on the follow, buddy. And all right, my next question. So sticking with training. And internal rotation. So recently you had a post on internal rotation with deadlifting. This was a little video, Masters of Movement series that we got going that Luke put out. All right, but external rotation with squatting. How does this apply to other movements like kettlebell swings or ollie lifting? What about running, lunging, or prowler, etc.? When would you focus on one or the other? Thanks. Well, I guess the the point of the internal rotation on the pole specifically is to get that posterior chain dominance, right? Start to tap into that posterior chain. Now, it depends on who you, what you look like, right? We would, we're sprinting with Mr. Harry Shaw today. What did his sprints look like, Tex? Um, a, a bad Steven Seagal. A bad Steven Seagal, upper body. And is that, there ever a good Steven Seagal? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's hard to kill. <laughs> I, I was going to say the Kurt Russell movie in which he died in the first 10 minutes, and then we got to enjoy uh, Kurt Russell. What was it? Uh, Executive decision. Get off my plane. That's no, that's the wrong movie, but that's basically what we were saying. Who, Donald Trump? Uh, no, no, Harrison right. Ford. Oh, Harrison Ford. So it, it depends on what your natural position is. Now, people are going to be like, oh, the, the the pelvis and the femur and how it's built. You know, people need to be externally rotated on their squat. Well, listen, people, here's here's what we want you want you to look like. Just just normal. We want you to look like your 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 legs are pointing forward, your toes, your ankles, your knees and your hips are all kinetically linked in a forward position so that those hinge joints work the way they're supposed to when you sprint and you're not externally rotated like Harry when he's doing a push-up start, right? So uh, it that's what we're trying to do is just teach good position or as our good friend Ralph Ruiz would say at the seminar, reset your default. And in order to reset a default position, we're going to have to temporarily overcook some things. So one guy on a squat, we may say, hey, focus on internal rotation. But one girl on a squat, we may say what? Hey, focus on external rotation. Same thing, deadlift, same thing, lunging. It just depends. What we're looking for is a neutral position on your squat step and lunge. Yeah, the idea that the knee trucks over the instep and however exactly. we get you there, it might be internal or external rotation. The problem becomes is that everybody's asking for a one-step cue mm-hmm. for everything. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. This guy said internal. This guy said external. Well, we don't know who they're coaching. We don't know who you are. So, I mean, while uh, we all are the same decaying matter, we all are very you know unique little snowflakes in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. That's philosophy text you wouldn't understand. Yeah, and just kind of where our thinking's at, Carl on PowerAthleteHQ.com. I'm all about plugs today, guys. He's got a great article on kinetic pairs, kinetic chains, and kinetic systems, right? 
So when people are looking at the body, they're most likely looking at pairs, right? What's my hip joint look like, right? So uh, hip joint in the pelvis and how that reacts or just knee action. They're just looking at the knee. Uh, we're taking one step back, right? And looking at chains and applying coaching cues to movement chains, kinetic chains, with the overall goal to affect a kinetic system, right? How our body moves. That's why we got those primal movements. Uh, that's why they're broken into seven versus throwing in carrying or throwing in rotation, which a couple of academy questions thrown out. Like Boyle's got rotation. He's got carrying as his fundamental movements. Well, we're thinking a uh, bigger picture, right? Step back for systems, then working into chains and in, in form of our coaching and our cueing. But we're still affecting pairs when a lot of people are just, just looking at pairs. Mm-hmm. Do we answer the question? I kind of forget. Uh, I think we gave him too much, but you know. So the point is, I mean, for this guy, um, uh, there there are other there are other coaches that we are friends with. They have their systems. Boyle, for example, uh, and then but you also have to understand the end game. We're trying to best prepare people to move through space seamlessly and effortlessly, right? Um, to tap into those fundamental movement patterns that make up. Human movement, a.k.a. tax primal movements, okay? So I guess that's the difference. But if you're trying to get someone to squat as deep as possible and you have to take into consideration hip anatomy because they need to dive under a barbell to catch a snatch or something, things might be different, right? So I will, uh, we we have to concede on that concept, but that's not what we're looking to do. Uh, Or we don't, or someone is naturally set up with their, their hip joints and things Mm -hmm. like that. But then guess what? They're playing football. Mm -hmm. They are playing basketball. And you know what we have to do? We have to prepare them best for football and basketball. Right. So if that's changing their squat or getting them to maximize, right, their force closure versus their perfect form closure to prepare them for their demand of their sport, then that's what we're going to do. Like we're just using squat as a means to an end. So we're going to get them in the right proper toes forward position, right? Despite if that's optimal for a number or how their body's set up, it's optimal for them to start and mm-hmm. play and have success. So that's what we're going to do. Pow, ow, 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 ow. Uh, and that's why we have the universal athletic position. Yes, sir. Thank you, John. Okay. Uh, John, I want to get you on this next question. I do like it. So this is from Andrew Batch. What is protocol for new athletes starting a new strength and conditioning program just coming off of season? Should it be a hypertrophy based in order to get adjusted for volume and set up future high intensity, low volume phases? Currently, I have lacrosse players coming off off-season and started them with some unilateral work, step-ups, lunges, paired with bilateral hip hinging, squats, and deads. Keep it simple. Keeping it simple. Thank you. Great-looking gym. Who's Jim? I don't know who. I never. We, we have no gym around here. But. Oh, okay. Uh, yes and no. Uh, personally, I like the idea of adding some hypertrophy, uh, a little bit of de- or a little bit of uh, muscle mass. But we tend to do it in a little bit of different way. Instead of hitting just kind of a standard hypertrophy template, I looked at doing a little lactic acid threshold type stuff, like we do with the power athlete metabolic conditioning cycle. Um, I like to try to build some, you know, both metabolic and anaerobic, glycolytic, uh, aerobic bases. And, you know, we tend to do that with some higher rep ranges and some timed reps. Um, you know, we'll do, you know, like three sets of 10, 60 seconds rest, and we'll rotate through, you know, eight to 10 different movements. And we'll do those, uh, you know, circuits um, called, you know, similar to Nebraska circuits, we call the uh, power athlete metabolic conditioning cycles. We'll do those three times a week, you know, starting at two and then going up to three, you know, 
playing with, you know, reps, volume, different things, really just trying to drive some, um, you know, some good, uh, you know, androgen profile and then get them ready to do it. So, um, I think there definitely needs to be some kind of taper in kind of, uh, introductory phase early in the off season. And then, you know, think about it as building a platform at which to build something on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, instead of kind of doing, you know, heavy kind of bodybuilder ish hypertrophy type work, I would really just kind of think more of a, you know, lighter to medium, you know, type loading with uh, really short rest periods and try to do something like that. Try to build a little conditioning in. And, uh, to check back to our kinetic pairs versus kinetic change a lot. If you're just tapping into a typical hypertrophy or you're plugging or uh, plucking a bodybuilding program, it's going to be focused on pairs while the power athlete metabolic system is push and pulls. And it's a lot of different chains, mm-hmm. right? So some complex movements, so a little different uh, approach there, but it's accomplishing the goal you want to, but in an, focusing on athleticism. Do we take into consideration athlete life cycle? Right. If these are freshman boys, does it look something a little more like bedrock, John? Or do you still think you put in that like, uh, I don't know, eight to 10 week metabolic circuit? Uh, I like the metabolic circuit. Um, I would always, I mean, uh, habitually I, I've always used something like that, but we've also mm-hmm. done, uh, you know, some Tabata stuff and started, you know, doing uh, versa climbers and just doing some kind of lactic acid yeah, threshold yeah. type movements. I just find doing things like that early on really sets the stage and kind of primes everybody for, for the heavy work. Uh, the, the one thing that I really noticed is, um, you know, while everybody wants to train heavy all the time, mm-hmm. uh, you can periodize intensity by adjusting reps. So, I mean, obviously you're not going to be able to do 10 reps as heavy as you're able to do a single or a double. So I think finding that way, and then also by cutting rest periods down to 60 seconds, 45 seconds, one minute, right, you right. can really kind of figure out what the weights are. And so you can kind of back into the loading. Um, I just found, you know, uh, I, I historically always like to do something like the uh, power athlete metabolic conditioning cycles, which are similar in kind of methodology to something like CrossFit. Uh, the problem is, is there needs to be some movement away from that type of training and getting into some heavier loading, a lot more speed development, a lot of more max effort type stuff, because a lot of sports played like that. Mm-hmm. Boom. All right. So changing perspectives on the athlete, what program do you recommend for the tactical athlete? I've been a longtime follower of feel strong and I love it. Is he on the right program for a tactical athlete? Uh, I think so. Uh, field, you know, for a tactical athlete, you're going to get some, uh, you know, some constantly, you know, varied, just a little bit more, a little bit more unknown. So I think as long as you can understand what your specific mission is, I think something like Field Strong fits really well because, you know, Wednesdays and Saturdays are very flexible for, uh, you know, people going out and wanting to do some longer things, you know, that, that was a big question I always had, you know, because we do yeah, a lot of heavy yeah. weights, we do a lot of dynamic work, a lot of sprints, a lot of jumps. And people said, hey, you know, for my job, I got to be able to run three miles, I got to do be able to do X, Y, and Z. So I built those days uh, for Wednesday and Saturday for them to say, hey, you know what, uh, if you got to go out and ruck and run and do something longer, these are the days that I want you to do it. And uh, it's worked very, very well. Um, I think at some point, though, um, if you are a tactical athlete, you are going to have to do something past GPP. You're going to have to get into the realm of SPP. Anything that you do in the weight room and anything that you're going to do with something like Field Strong is going to be a GPP-based program, general physical preparedness. As a uh, tactical athlete, law enforcement, uh, you know, whatever it looks like in terms of soldiers, 
uh, you have a very, very specific mission requirement that does not look like something done in the weight room. You're going to either have to ruck something heavy. You're going to have to move through different terrains. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to do uh, shooting, whether it be combat type uh, shooting or, you know, clearing houses, any of those type of uh, uh, endeavors. And I think uh, just going in the weight room and expecting to do field strong and then thinking magically that you're going to be proficient at everything is just fucking pie in the sky bullshit. So I think as long as you look at your training like we would training professional athletes that, you know, what we do within the confines of the gym or, you know, what, what we do, really what I do is GPP based and that you have to transition into an SPP, which would be that specific physical preparation. Now, all of a sudden, here I am, uh, you know, full kit running gun and being able to do these things and developing the capacity you need to be able to do that. Unfortunately, all the, uh, the thrustering and med balls and, you know, wall balls and 400 meter runs and kettlebell swings isn't going to prepare you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, uh, as long as you're go into it, understanding that and don't think that, you know, if I magically do these workouts, I'll, I don't have to do the other shit. I think you're fine. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of our offering field strong is going to be your best bet. And maybe, you know, it, as you do venture and have to scale back field strong and get into more, some of that SPP stuff, that's where a lot of the dynamic movement prep stuff would be beneficial as well on the dynamic movement prep program we have out there. Cause the proficiency and correct me if I'm wrong, Lieutenant Kachark, who's sitting here over there, uh, Ben is here visiting, but you'd still need to move through space. Right. And that's one of the biggest fallacies of a lot of the, the fitness programs out there or not fallacies, but what would you call it? Tex limitations, deficiencies, opportunities. Let's take a, a spin gaps, on it. Holes. Gaps, hole, the holes in a lot of this stuff is there single plane, single movement pattern, right? So it's primal X sagittal plane. So period end of sentence period. Um, so literally field, yeah, field strong is going to have more planes of movement. Dynamic movement prep is going to put you through all planes of motion. So it's, it's building that, that spatial awareness so that you can execute your specific skills all through space. Right. So take a text. Another tactical athlete question here from the Spartan fireman, best trunk apples have cores exercises for tactical athletes trying to protect my back as best I can. Uh, I think when you look at developing your trunk, you have to look at three different planes of motion. So you have to think about a sagittal frontal and a transverse plane. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I think a rotational med ball throw for me, especially, uh, you know, you could do a rotational med ball throw. You can also do uh, Russian twists mm-hmm. for the sagittal, uh, for something like, uh, Oh, I'm sorry for transverse uh, transverse. transverse. Uh, for the sagittal, I really like uh, uh, med ball to toes. Um, so you're laying flat on your back, and you're basically dynamically pulling a single leg up to a med ball. And uh, I really like that for the hip flexor and also developing that lower trunk. And then for the frontal, um, I like um, uh, basically doing, a, a, what is it, a ball slams. So mm-hmm. we have rotational. like a rotational, uh, you know, it's kind of a transverse, but not really, but it's actually where you're mm-hmm. facing straight ahead and then you actually uh, throw the med ball or the, the slam ball to your, you know, to your side. I think we call them. I think it's rotational, rotational but it's not really, it's yeah, kind it's, of frontal. It's plane. a multi-plane. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, I, I think between those two, uh, you know, what I found with, um, with a lot of trunk stuff, I mean, there's this kind of idea of like, you know, slow and controlled isometric holds. I think you have to do something extremely dynamic for your trunk, Mm -hmm. uh, especially if you are going to be in a situation where you're going to have to fight and move and do some things. So um, I really like that type of stuff. 
And then, but you would pair it with the ISOs, right? You're, I mean, yes. dead bugs, pillars, all. I well, mean, that's where you'd build all your stability. So, I right, mean, right. for us especially, like I'd like a lot of isometric type work, especially early in our training, like in our warmups. Um, it really helps for us to fix, you know, posture and position and start activating these muscles and mm-hmm. developing, you know, because you think, you know, V-centric, concentric, isometric contractions. So just doing some basic isometric holds followed by dynamic movement in our uh, opening deal. And then uh, when I get into doing a lot of trunk work, especially at the end, I like a lot of dynamic movement. I like a lot of heavy throws and a lot of type stuff. The other big one too, um, which is we're starting to put a, a lot more into the program just because I started seeing the uh, um, it paying dividends was the heavy sandbag carry. You know, uh, really having somebody pick up something heavy, brace, and then start walking and moving with it. Um, you know, I remember talking with Stu McGill a couple of years ago. We had him on the podcast, yeah, but just right. offline. And Stu said that uh, one of the best ways to fix dysfunction and back pain was doing heavy sandbag carries. And I asked him why, and he said, people don't know how to brace because we don't really do heavy farm work anymore. We're not really doing a lot of manual labor. And uh, he goes, you know, think about, you know, picking up, uh, you know, bags of concrete, bags, you know, something heavy, Two big bracing bags it, of sand. and then walking with it, and uh, you develop, um, you know, task-specific tension that can effectively help with back pain. So... Uh, you know, we also do, um, you know, some, some, some interesting stuff. We're doing some cross body crawl, like bear crawl with pushes that are really good too, for fixing that. So, but, um, you know, mixing up isometric holds and something dynamic is always pretty good. All right. So I got, this could be a athlete question or a tactical athlete question. That's why I'm bringing it up now. So this is from Anderson, Anderson, Matt Anderson, physio out of South Carolina. What would a program look like for return to sport? Let's say football after the ACL repair. That's example, but this could be anything. As the athlete transitions from rehab to more of a performance focus. I know, tough to give any specifics. Maybe how rehab folks can integrate some of the power athlete trunk stuff. I think that's our new term, trunk stuff. Trunk stuff. And so primal movements like, to better prepare. It's like, prepare. hey, baby. Are you is that like butt stuff? Are you into trunk stuff? <laughs> Hope you got a big trunk because I'm going to put my put bike, bike in it. hey So uh, this is a tough question. Uh, when you write programs, especially for, you know, thousands of people you don't know, you have to kind of write them within the bell curve and you kind of write, like I, at least I do, I imagine the athlete, like I kind of, um, go through and have a good understanding of who I'm writing it for, what the demands are, who, you know, what kind of the, the strength and the, you know, the adaptation, how long they've been training. And you kind of, uh, create this artificial person in a lot of ways, uh, based off of a lot of different factors for people. And, um, you know, before it was me was the, uh, was the model. And I remember we used to go, uh, you know, for the cross at football and people be like, I can't believe you guys do these things. And we're like, well, dude, I designed this shit for myself. When we got into the other programs like uh, Jack street and field strong and grindstone, these other ones, they were actually written for specific people. So I have a person in mind, the uh, mere mortal, mere mortal. When you start writing specific programs to help somebody transition back from physical therapy, because it's a really weird deal with physical therapy, they, uh, you, they, they go in, they manage pain, they try to get swelling out, they try to get range of motion, and once you're able to demonstrate range of motion, there's no pain, everything looks like it's good, then it usually ends and they kick you out in the world, and there's this huge gap between ending PT and getting you back on the field. Um, you know, then in professional football, they have it. I mean, every sport has that kind of no man's land and they have somebody to guide you. But for most people, they don't have somebody to guide them. The problem becomes is it's very difficult to write that program without actually seeing the person 
train to be around them to see, you know, like if all of a sudden, you know, you're asking somebody to do something and within a second of watching them do it, you know that they can't perform it, then you're going to have to take a step back and you're going to have to go back to yeah, building audible. blocks. And, um, you know, like let's say, hey, for example, you know, you have a knee injury and I'm asking you to squat. And as you're squatting, we're seeing a lot of dynamic tibial torsion. We're seeing this. I mean, we see like a million different things happen that uh, you might not notice, but having the watched eye, I think, oh shit, this is having a problem. This is how we remedy it. This is how we correct it. These are the problems we do. And um, I just, the reason that I've really always kind of shied away from doing that stuff in terms of a grander scheme, I mean, I'll do it one-on-one. Um, you know, we got a guy right now going through some knee injury stuff and, uh, you know, we'll start working with him and, and really helping him along. But that stuff is very, very specific to the individual and it would be next to impossible because, you know, my knee injury is different than your knee injury and what I need to do might be different than you. I might need more rest. You might need more, more recovery, you know, a million different factors. So, uh, I, uh, could you use field strong 100%? Could you use grindstone and all these programs? Yes. But you would have to be able to auto regulate or have somebody watching you that was, had the wherewithal to know what was good and bad movement and then be able to move you through it. Because a lot of times when you get done with injuries and especially surgeries, uh, you sometimes lose your physical, I guess it's like a uh, crossfit called it what perspicuity, your ability to like sense movement. Um, you know, you understand the movement pattern, something that you might think, Hey, that felt pretty good. And then you see it on tape or somebody watches and thinks, Oh God, that looks awful. Kinesthetic awareness. Yeah, kinest sorry. Kinesthetic awareness. Uh, so I think, um, either, you know, putting a plan together. And then the other thing is less is more. I rather see somebody do less and do less work well than do more work shitty. And, um, you know, it's become this idea where it's not necessarily a measure of quality. It's a measure of volume. And uh, unfortunately, when you're coming back from an injury and there's a, a lot of resetting, you have to be able to reinforce those patterns well. I've never been injured, so. Except for that is. ego. What Ooh. ego? Well, after our race this morning. That's very alpha of you, Tex. I'm a gamma creative type. All right. <laughs> so uh, I guess we can stick with coaching and then the man here. So this is from Princess underscore Pimminton. This mm. is a long one. Oh, boy. So a female coach here. <clears throat> I recently went back to college in an attempt to further my career as a strength coach. So far, the majority of my experience has been coaching strictly CrossFit and competitive gymnastics. My plan as of now is to get a bachelor's in athletic training and minor in exercise science, pick up various NSEA certifications along the way, also patiently waiting the second round of the Power Athlete Academy. My question is, what else should I be doing? Can you recommend any programs, people, or internships that I should look into? I would like to work mainly with tactical athletes and help train police, fire, and military personnel. Thanks for any help. Y'all are smart as fuck. She's not talking to me. Can I just imagine what Texas is going to say? Well, I need a she, breath after that, so go. She needs... put your. I mean, get out of your comfort zone, I guess, right? Um Find a place to assist to intern. I know Tex, that was your big thing on your journey when you get when you call John with the SOS, like I'm gonna hang it up. And he's like, No, this is perfect at uh the university that we will not oh, name. Uh there was not, I'm gonna hang it up. I need to make sense of this situation. Well, ready to pull like pull your fucking hair out. No, it's called cognitive dissonance. Is it? Yes. That's so like the what you believe, but you have what you believe and you have what you experience, and there's just this complete disconnect. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess just immerse yourself in what you want to do. If it's LEO, go try to troll around and find 
a place to fucking uh, to intern, right? Uh, well, no, I mean, and I'm gonna avoid curb stomping uh, hopes and dreams because uh, I, I think what you're talking about is extremely noble and what you want to do. Um, it's just, and for any of our law enforcement friends and family that are on the, on the call right now and listening, um, for the most part, and I've worked with, this isn't a phone call. This is a podcast. I mean, podcast, <laughs> uh, the fitness is real low. Um, you know, some of the training stuff and I'm sure Callie's listening to this and she's shaking her head, but it's like, you know, uh, for a lot of guys, um, you know, and it's really kind of self-selecting. I mean, you have guys like Freddie Camacho and, you know, Callie and I'm sure, and other people that take their fitness very, very seriously. And they're fucking hard chargers. And then you have other people that don't take their fitness seriously. Right. I mean, going back to, to the, our podcast with Jay Dawes, whatever mm-hmm. episode that was, right, John? Yeah, yeah. Where they're talking about like the fundamental, like where. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, you know, years ago I did a, um, did a talk and a deal with, for some law enforcement guys. And, uh, you know, I remember just discussing with them, uh, you know, the myriad of uh, what I called their, I think it was like a trifecta of drugs. Like they were all on statins, you know, Nexium and uh, Crestor, I think was what they were on. And, uh, you know, like if you put somebody through some high intensity interval type training and you start doing some lactic acid threshold stuff when somebody that's, you know, on statins, they can run into some serious problems. So uh, I just think um, there are some you know, some, some hurdles to it, but, uh, um, you know, in terms of getting out there and working with the law enforcement community and, you know, military and some of the tactile athletes, I think there's some, some, some people that are doing some great jobs with it and you probably just have to reach out to them. Yeah. So, so in, in terms of, um, uh, a college on your resume holds a lot of weight with the military law enforcement, right? Mm-hmm. Because they see the outside, they see the big wins from a program, but going into that situation, you're not going to take away and learn as much as actually going into the needed situation. So whether it's police, law enforcement, firefighters going and observe, volunteering with them. Uh, but number one, get involved with the TSAC. So NSCA, um, cause that's, those are the educators. Those are the people that are supplying the one certifications and two actually implementing programs to apply research and science. And then, Guess what? Science is going to be king with that community in terms of convincing. It's not going to be, you know, your experience. It's going to be what you can do for them that's going to save them money. Mm-hmm. So if you have research studies, that's going to hold a hell of a lot more weight than your resume. Um, so uh, I, I immediately suggest connecting with Jay Dawes. He's at University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. And uh, getting in either an internship or an observation or just whatever you can. Uh, and then go all in with kind of a TSAC. So if there's a conference, start making uh, making an annual trip and um, going from there because it's 100% networking who you know if you want to actually get a job in this world, in this industry. So you can know everything but not have a, a freaking uh, connection and you'll never get a freaking job. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's there's nothing but opportunity when it comes to tactical um, strength and conditioning. Absolutely. So... It, there's going to be times a change in TSAC's only been around for, uh, you know, a few years. Mm-hmm. So imagine now if you're on the ground floor after three years and it comes to 10 and you've talked to every one of the professors that's putting out the studies and actually implementing them into police departments like Dawes. And um, they're going to start to recommend you when communities, counties actually are investing in a strength and conditioning coach. Asked and answered. What's next, Ted? Uh, we got a lot of Texas questions. So I, I guess a lot of people didn't know we were in Texas. Um, so first one's pretty easy. This one's for John. Uh, why Texas? 
Barbecue. Why not? <laughs> barbecue. If you got to ask big man, you can't afford it. Barbecue, Shinerbach, Hill Country. No standing. Uh, honestly, it's it's a big fucking play against Tex because you can have a nickname like Tex if you're in California. But you can't. Well, my favorite is when we meet older Texan dudes like, like Tom Dye <laughs> and I introduce him as Tex. The look on their face is like. Who the fuck yeah. is this fucking guy? He doesn't even look. He's not even wearing boots or a hat and he sure as hell don't have a Texas accent. How did he get this? Te- you know, it's, it's pretty awesome. So. <laughs> That's the re- That's no, the number one reason. Um, Jealousy, Tom Dye. Um, that's the number one reason. <laughs> just despite me. Just, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Why? What's wrong with that? Yeah. No. It, it was all despite Tex. We we were tired of his elitist nickname, so we decided to move to Texas <laughs> just despite him. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go, Jamie J. Eight, gentlemen. I added that part. Absolutely love the podcast. It's nice to listen to a sensible discussion about strength. Also, good to hear from big boys, he's talking to us, Tex, about staying jacked instead of the usual BS about getting shredded like Tex always talks about. I added that. Any advice for a young father on the smartest way to train when workout time is limited? My girl's 14 months, and I'm grabbing 30 to 60 minutes five times a week. I'm currently in rugby off-season. Oh, an athlete. So I'm trying to keep my fitness levels high, but don't want to get weak. At the minute, I'm doing three sets of five, for two lifts and then short metcon most sessions. Thanks, lads. Dude, fucking muscle up. Having a kid isn't that hard. You just put that kid in his crib and say, go to sleep. And then they go to sleep. Right, John? That's how it works. <laughs> Either go to sleep or I'll put you to sleep. No, I mean, this is the whole premise behind Grindstone, isn't it? Yeah, this is actually exactly why Grindstone was written. Yeah. Because, yeah. so, <laughs> no, like, enough said. Yeah, right. so check dude, out Grindstone. Check out Grindstone. But, uh, you know, the, the concept is. You got to just tr- do your best to know when to hit it, you know, hold them and fold them. Right. And then on those fucking hold them days is when you hit the mandatory days. Yeah. So you have two mandatory days that are usually your two, you know, longer training sessions are the ones that are most readily available. And then you got two recommended days, which, you know, we recommend you get if you can. And then one optional day, if you want to get your fifth training day in, mm-hmm. um, you can, you know, uh, another, another way to kind of hit them is, uh, you know, you can really fine tune the training days by, uh, you know, speeding things up, cutting back rest sets, um, you know, and there's some optional stuff. I mean, if you have extra time, you can hit some optional stuff, but mm-hmm. for the most part, just hit the core lifts and this is exactly where we wrote, we wrote grindstone. So yeah. And it's situ- check out grindstone. Cause it's stre- Next question. Yeah. Stress is high. Okay. Volume is low. Yep. All right. So more of an opinion here. If you could eliminate one common movement or exercise you see in the strength and conditioning world, what would it be? Eliminate, not add. Well, can we like default that there is no bad exercise, there's only bad movements? Right? Yeah. So that's a hard one. You know, if you know how to coach it, then you can make it valuable. And if you know, I guess it's not the exercise, it's the context. Like, you know, I don't know. How about this? Jogging. Jogging. There's a soft J. Uh, the the one exercise that I think is highly overrated, um, and I would venture to say has probably caused more injury than help, is the seated leg extension. You think so? Yeah, but, I dude, mean, my fucking quads get pumped. Uh, I, you know, I, like, yeah, I think in a bodybuilding realm it mm-hmm. works, but I think for... 
performance-based athletes, uh, you know, just sitting on a leg extension all day is kind of a moot point. Mm -hmm. I, I think that one, if I could, uh, if, you know, that would be pretty much the only thing that I would think of in terms of, because if you think about or the way that the quad works, I mean, are we ever really in a position where you are in an open-chained leg extension? Mm -mm. I mean, it's kind of an unlike there's maybe a, kicking, but like, like, not, like but maybe, not... yeah, like maybe, uh, you know, if I'm stepping through, but I, I, but I would be stepping through dynamically to kick you in the balls. Well, I would what never about just like a, be standing there and just like put my leg up and go. What about a cholo kick? Well, normally the cholo kick is, uh, incorporates the whole body. Oh, okay. And then when you, I think I've been doing it wrong. Well, and you're usually hammered when you, when you, <laughs> when you get cholo kicked. <laughs> But uh, like that was one that whenever I walk into and back in the day when you went into the weight room, it was always there. I would venture to say that that machine does not exist in a lot of strength conditioning gyms anymore. Mm -hmm. So that would be one I'd think about. But other than that, can't really think of any bad. It's like uh, I can't really think of just any bad exercises. I can just think of bad movements. Mm -hmm. but, but historically, the leg extension to me, I think, would be a shitty one. Probably the deadlift. Yeah, because yeah, you're allergic. <laughs> That might have something to do with it. Uh, what else? What that else was a joke. Really shitty ones. Oh, I'll tell you. I, I watched a guy the other day doing the. Uh, uh, oh, I know what it was. I know. I know what it got. The bar behind the back. Have you ever seen people? And I forget what that's called. Where you basically deadlift? No, not between the legs, but okay. but where they deadlifted up the backside. No. And I was watching this it. guy do it, and it literally the position he got in to get the bar up. I was like, either this is going to like shit out his back, blow his Achilles. Or break a shoulder, and somehow the dude pulled it up, and I thought to myself, "Fuck, I wouldn't want to do that." So that was a weird movement. So I'm gonna go with the 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 resisted cable golf swing that you just tagged us in, John. Ooh. I think it was on barstool. Yeah, it was awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna say get rid of that one. Text, you haven't said a fucking thing. Because I'm thinking hard. I've been training at Law Fitness for probably six months, mm -hmm. and uh, just what really grinds my gears is the goddamn <laughs> cell phone in the weight room uh i actually um one of my favorites is i saw a guy working uh the fist pump so he had a cable and he was just doing vertical this one like he was doing the fist pump like he's at the concert you know like def leopard for example you know they're playing pour some sugar on me and he's just fucking fist pumping pour some sugar on me mm -hmm. he was training the fist pump uh, on the cable machine, and I thought to myself, "Man, that's legit." I mean, it's kind of sports specific. I mean, you know, <laughs> he, you know, it's it's kind of specific in that you know he's going, he's he's getting ready to go to the concert. It's concert season here in Austin, and he's getting ready to get, you know, to get it by just fucking training his fist pump. And um, you know, I get it. Like, I just don't think that it's that you necessarily have to train the fist pump. I think you can get the fist pump in other ways. Uh, so, you know, cable fist pumping, that might be one that I don't really see much need for, but fuck, he was pretty good at it. What do you think he was baiting us for? Uh, this question, like a muscle up or some shit like that? Probably ring dips. Yeah. Well, hey, dude, if you like stability to be able to fucking, you know, stabilize yourself in your, you know, upper body to be able to, you know, lower yourself into a dip position. Oh, I know what I, I would say for like a general pop CrossFit class is high rep bounding box jumps. Oh, any any sort of, I guess, bounding or advanced plyometrics, but I, I get. I but I don't want to eliminate it from the world. Right. But, I want to work towards. Uh, it. Yeah, I mean, we, what do we always say? Um, you know, to really plyometrics are one of those things where you have to be strong enough to protect yourself from the movement. 
um, you know, we were, I think we were on the, uh, on, on the podcast with Derek Hansen and we were talking about, you know, that the ability to transition, uh, into more advanced movements came at that two times double weight bo- uh, back squat. And we found that when people can double, double body weight back squat, they are effectively strong enough to protect themselves from injury and bad movement with doing extremely dynamic movements like, you know, uh, advanced plyometrics, depth jumps, other things. So I think, uh, you know, people get so jiggy on that stuff so quick, and a lot of times they just haven't developed the strength base. They need to protect themselves. Because at the end of the day, as much as all this stuff is great, fucking avoid injury. Like, Do no it's, harm. It's a little different if you're getting paid millions of dollars to do this. Mm-hmm. But, like, you pay $180 to go to your local gym, your CrossFit, whatever it looks like. If you're going in there and getting injured... That shouldn't be happening, regardless of how much fucking kinesio tape, or you're gonna go to the local throwdown, or you know you want to compete in the regionals, or any or uh, um, you know online qualifiers or anything. You're doing it as a recreational athlete. Don't get hurt as a recreational athlete. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, John. That's what like we like, like. Don't get hurt playing fucking adult old man tennis, Luke. I never got hurt. I was fucking. Or, I was. These or, guys were beating my ass because I know my limits. Or going Ego. playing like uh, uh, you know pickleball, fl- <laughs> like flag football. Like I'm playing flag mm-hmm. football on the beach and I fucking blew out my knee because uh, I tried to juke some dude. And I mean, it's like fuck, dude. Like, well, just see, be smart. But here's the thing, John. That is the pinnacle of competition. You're not supposed to get hit hurt in training. But if you get hurt in competition against elderly men's league tennis that's just the way the fucking cookie crumbles man are you wearing white uh white short shorts no you know i'm wearing board shorts and they don't have fucking pockets so i'm like you know have you ever played tennis without pockets i'm yeah. a fucking retard out there running around you holding balls uh always holding balls but good thing you're a ball holder no yes. you got to put it up this the shorts like oh the girls oh i just hold them no in my he mouth. just holds them in his <laughs> <laughs> god damn it that was fucking he got me uh, i was like he's so good at holding balls in his mouth that he just fucking stuffed them in there like a fucking squirrel. never had your car um Oh, I had a great point shifted, made to make. Oh, not but, double clutching like Yada. You know what's interesting? Because at the seminar, Tex, have you noticed this? I just, I just realized this correlation. Okay, at the seminar, we open up, we give an amazing intro, yada yada yada. But we then we do a show of hands. How many people have followed a Power Athlete Program for at least one day, one month, one year, or one month, two months, six months, a year? Right? And it used to be sixty percent. Right? And we would have hard charging motherfuckers at the seminar. But then as that number has gone down, people who show up to the seminar who are injured and can't do specific shit has gone up, which leads me to believe if you want to not get fucking hurt, why don't you follow a program that is completely the the core of it is do no harm where the volume intensity is regulated. The movement selection is regulated so that you don't fucking hurt yourself like some dipshit. so what's the thought? Take me through this again, out of body experience. What's the thought process for a coach that thinks pushing yourself to injury is okay? Um, I don't well, think they see no, they're, they're, uh, they don't have that nonlinear vision to understand that by always showing up and trying to sizzle, there's going to be a breaking point, right? So they don't see it until it hits them. Well, I, so and, I don't think their no, thought process is there. But you also have to remember, I mean, um, in terms of people working at a commercial gym or if, let's say you're a gym owner and you're bringing people in, uh, people expect when they walk through the door to get fucking kicked in the balls. And if you mm-hmm. don't kick them in the balls, then obviously uh, then it must not be working. This must might be the right place for me because the only receipt that I have for whether or not this is good or bad 
is the horrible feeling that I feel at the end because the internet and everybody else has told them that, you know, that, uh, you know, salvation through suffering. And so I have to go in when I walk through here, it has to end in some fucking God awful suffering. I have to complain to everybody posted on Instagram, how awful it was. And then that's the secret recipe to getting what I want. The burn. But, but unfortunately, um, that's not the case. The mm-hmm. problem is, is when you're working with coaches and with people that only have one tool in their toolbox, AKA a hammer, they don't necessarily understand that there's some other things that you have to have an ebb and flow in your training, that some days are good days, some days are bad days, some day you get kicked in the ball, some day you get hugged, and there has to be some form of, of thought that goes past you know, this day. You know, it has to go in the future that said, hey, you know, for the next six weeks, this is what it's going to look like. You have to do some block periodization in your training. The problem is, is that if your training looks like, uh, what are you doing today? I don't know. Let me just make something up on the fly, uh, you know, and we're going to somehow just fucking randomly constantly vary this stuff. I think you run into problems. Um, you know, and I think, uh, you know, where CrossFit football and power athlete virally infected the CrossFit community was actually by putting a periodized strength conditioning template into, uh, the, the training and basically fixing the, you know, sub 15 minute workouts, you know, uh, the majority of them seven between 12 minutes, occasionally on the long side of 15 minutes and others shorter. And I think by putting that template in place, we got, we, we really found people re- reaching their performance goals because you could kind of periodize through it. You could have some different things. And, um, I think it worked really, really well. I just think that when you leave people up to their own devices and you have a coach who one doesn't do his fucking programming. I mean, how many times have we run into people that have written programs at our seminars? And I've always asked, have been like, have you ever, would you do this? They're like, God awful. I would never do this shit. And I'm like, why the fuck would you write something that you wouldn't do yourself? Well, I don't want to do that shit. This shit's awful. But I know that the more awful I make it, the more people come back. And I'm like, that's fucking, that's a, that's a horrible, horrible, horrible commentary on people. But unfortunately, as a gym owner, you have bills to pay. And sometimes you probably have to whore yourself. And uh, because, you know, I mean, and you can ask guys, you know, that own gyms. Uh, we did it at our gym. I remember I did a test where I was like, let's just make this shit so awful. Nobody wants to come. And our fucking gym exploded and we got more members. And then I was like, wait a minute. So if we give them really good, intelligent, thought out, quality strength conditioning, people will leave. So we did that and it worked beautifully. So how do we, because those coaches are still out there, right? Maybe they're listening to this, maybe they're not, well, but how they, do we just fucking shake them to realize this well, is big, be, this be, is long-term? Because here's the problem, because people don't do long-term. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, the problem is it's a consumer. So so training really has, has melted down into this thing. It's like a commodity, right? I mean, you guys that own CrossFit gyms know CrossFit's a commodity, right? Oh, so you're charging 175. Oh, this guy's charging 150. This guy's charging 99. I'm going to go to the $99 one because why? Cheaper. It's all the same. It's cheaper, right? If, if, if the only response that I have is I get torched every day, well, how do you torch somebody? You just fucking throw as much as you can at them until they can't do it anymore. Awesome. So if I get torched everywhere, and it's based off of this constantly varied, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, constantly varied movements performed at high intensity, and I just, you know, I get torched. What does it matter? How do I know what's good and bad? People don't have any frame of reference to know what's good and bad. They just know I got my fucking ass kicked. It's like Fight Club, right? I mean, was that guy a better fighter than me? I don't know. I got punched in the face and don't remember anything after. So. And if that's the, the marker for driving success into my business is how many members I have, how it all fits together, then you know what? Then you got to fucking hold people's feet to the fire, you know? But then when you start looking at it and being like, that's fine. If you're, if, if the only thing, I mean, like my brothers are a classic example. How long did I fight with them to try to come and do some intelligent training and they refuse? 
All they want to do is show up at six in the morning and get their fucking asses kicked and then talk about how awful it is and leave. And their fucking movement is awful. Uh, I like I, to the point where I told you guys don't even coach them. Yeah. And yeah, it, it just, it, it's just how it rolls. And, uh, you know, you have to remember that, you know, what's the goal here? Is it to have 200 members to make money? Yeah. We want you to keep your gym alive. But then at some point, you know, you look at, you know, a transition between, if I'm training performance-based athletes to perform on the field and my goal is to really make them the best that they can be, walking them in and burning them to the ground every single day is not the best method. Now, there's places to do that shit. Early in the off-season, like what you saw in Carizzi, you know, some of these guys coming in or, uh, you know, or, you know, uh, off-season, uh, summer, you know, when they're getting ready, they got four weeks so they're going to training camp and it's time to turn it up and get the intensity going. There's an opportunity to do that stuff, and there's different points in the year where you need to do that. You need to weed guys out, see who's who's uh, who's leaders and who's not, who's going to fucking fail, who's going to step up. And I think you have to create that stuff in the training. But there has to be a dose of intelligent stuff where performance is really at the forefront. Just not like fucking dropping a nuclear bomb on your town every day, mm-hmm. hoping to God that your grass grows. And that's like seasonality of the training, though. Yeah, I mean, and and that's what we'd always did. I mean, there there was block periodization mm-hmm. even when I owned a CrossFit gym. Yeah. Um, you know, we would you know when it was colder, we would tend to you know lift more weights and do some stuff. Uh, as it got warmer, we know people wanted to be outside. We did a little bit more longer type things, and we kind of just picked some seasonality. The problem becomes is uh, you know when you walk in every day and it's a fucking thirty minute metcon that involves kettlebell swings, box jumps, fucking four hundred meter runs, and uh, and jump rope, and you know and just fucking torch people every day because that's what they want. Uh, you know, and unfortunately, the consumer votes with their feet. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, you know, if they show up and they like it, but here's the problem: people don't know what they fucking like. Yeah. And, you know, we had we had a crew of guys at Balboa that like sat the coaches down, you know, and were like, uh, hey, we need more. We need more fucking burners. These these aren't hard enough, you know, and then we didn't bend. We didn't fucking bend. We're like, just fucking go harder, go Uh, faster. And then they ended up leaving and going to different uh, different boxes. And guess what happened? They were all fucking banged up because we'd see them out at the bars. Yep. Because no, we, we weren't drinking. We were just seeing if they were open. Uh, no, I, I fucking saw some of those guys. And, yeah, you know who I'm talking uh, yeah, about. I know exactly right? who you're talking about. And I saw them, and they were all fucking hurt. Yeah. And the problem became is that, so here becomes the deal. When a lot of those guys came in, uh, you know, when you come in, especially in the initial training, when you're deconditioned, you've never done this stuff, there's a need to build a metabolic base. You have to do to get people into a base level conditioning. Right. At which point you develop that conditioning base, then you have to start turning up other pieces. The problem is, is that they see what they did to initially get in shape, and then they figure that's what I have to do. Yeah, right. It's kind of like we know that, like, yeah, if you go out and you run, if, if you haven't run and you go out and you run four hundred meter runs and you do a couple of them and you're consistent, you will get faster. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that going out and jogging four hundred meter runs when you're unconditioned isn't getting you faster. It's just creating a base level of conditioning for you enough to be able to, to move better. Mm-hmm. Now, when you start looking at developing top end speed, is that going to allow you to get top end speed? No. no. So like, uh, but here's the problem. Like people aren't looking at this thing in terms of a multi-year template. They're not looking at it like down the road. Like that's the thing I always appreciated about Spitz and these guys always talking about in quads, right? They, they train in mm-hmm. four year tight and you know, this is what we're doing for the next four years. This is what four years. Where are you in quad? I'm in the second year of the quad. This is where it is to the point where everything's strategically laid out. The problem is, is uh, you know, most people that are developing fitness or training that aren't in a you know a periodized strength conditioning template for a specific goal don't understand. They don't look at things in terms of a four year deal. They don't look at it within a year. They don't even look at it within a week. They look at it day to day. 
you know, what can I do today? I'm going to do as much as I can because obviously that works. And to, you know, some days it doesn't like you don't have to get punched in the face every day. Mm -hmm. There's ways to develop other things. And, um, the problem becomes is we've been taught that the only, uh, you know, receipt that I have for whether or not today was a good day or a bad day was, it was by how, the sizzle, but yeah, by if I got fucking sizzled. All right. Starting to empathize with the gym owner from that, but here's why I probably, um, I, uh, just, just to cut you off, and I'm, I'm not trying to be hard on the gym owner because any time I meet somebody that's a gym owner, especially a CrossFit gym owner, I want to give them a hug and tell them it's not your fault. And it's like I fucking feel awful for them because they are they are stuck in an endless fucking wheel of trying to please people that have no idea what they're you know. But it's the what it is to be pleased about. It's the three year gym owner. The one first year well, gym no, owner has it all figured, figured out. out. But, uh, it's a fucking cash cow, baby. They here, love it. I love it. Here's the problem too: is people's only fucking receipt for whether or not it's good or bad, like you said, is the sizzle. And then what's the other one? How do I look? Mm -hmm. It's all aesthetically based, but we're going to lie about it and be like, oh, no, it's performance based. We're building fitness. No, I just want to fucking look good naked. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing we know, I, like, dude, I can calorie restrict you, have you lift weights and do some fucking base level aerobic type work. Mm -hmm. And I can diet you into fucking uh, a bodybuilding show where you'll look exactly like you want to look mm -hmm. without having to fucking torch you every single day. But the problem becomes that takes too much. So you know what I'm going to do? Like, and I asked my brother, I, my, my brother's almost 10 years still CrossFit. And they go every day. And I always ask my brother, Eddie, like, how how you doing? Oh, great. Uh, I can go do this stuff, and it allows me to kind of eat what I want, and I stay in good, decent shape. I'm like, but if we did something else, you'd probably get a bit. Eh, it's good. It works, <laughs> it, it works the same. You know? So, I mean, we had a gym, and we trained, and I fucking got my brothers there like three days in fucking four years, in a couple years. Mm -hmm. So. So just continuing with it, um, taking that approach to kids. So. Hear me out here. The uh, parents' lives are changed. General pops' lives are changed. So they think, all right, this is the way. And then they start to bring their kids in. We're seeing this more and more. So um, Kiyabasso, Jim Kiyabasso and I talked about this, and I brought that conversation to you, John, of where the problem lies is now a strength and conditioning coach who's in, in charge of – I'll look up the, the, um, the name of it uh, in a second here. But he's in charge – of International Youth Conditioning Association, I believe it's called. And the problem is, is he's getting parents in there that want to develop athleticism, speed, and all this good stuff, but then they want him to do CrossFit. They want... Um, the best trick the devil ever played was convincing the world that there was a uh, direct relationship between athleticism and capacity and fucking fitness. Or capacity. It's not. I mean, so the problem is, is that the parents are uneducated consumers. They're looking at what they did. And like, you know, I, I see it all the time. People are like, oh, I started training. I'm in the best shape of my life and all these other things. And it's like, that's great. I'm, I'm totally stoked that you've made this, this massive life change. The problem becomes if you want to develop athletes, just basically using emotional response of how hard you went and trying to develop capacity with constantly varied fucking movements isn't how you necessarily develop athleticism. You develop athleticism and, you know, and, uh, you know, the ability to challenge posture and position. I mean, uh, you know, the ability to seamlessly and effortlessly combine primal movement patterns through space to accomplish a known and novel task. Where does that get developed? Well, one, it doesn't get developed in a training style that's both fucking closed chained and done in a doorway within a, uh, um, you know, sagittal or yeah, sagittal plane. Like you have to work rotation and you know what? It doesn't look like you, it's very difficult to develop athleticism in just purely a GPP fashion. 
So like, yes, we can challenge, you know, posture or challenge posture and position, do these whole things. But at some point you have to push people outside of their bounds and allow them to compete against other people. Like we talk about open claim, open chain and closed chain. You can develop a set of closed chain movements, but at some point you have to push a person out and force them to, to take what they've learned in the closed chain environment and spread their wings. So like, okay, great. So me competing against another person in, you know, uh, air squats, pull-ups, and kettlebell swings doesn't develop athleticism. Can it develop athleticism? Maybe. But I, I, I know that there's a better way to do it. Now, if, uh, if I were to take my children, and I do, to gymnastics, do the, do the gymnastic girls develop, or are they developing athleticism? Yes. Are they uh, doing everything within sagittal plane, like in a doorway? Majority of the things, except, you know, you think about the boys with rotation on, like, the pommel horse. But for the most part, the ability to move within space, and even though everything they're doing is closed chain, um, closed loop movements, you know, everything's practiced, their ability to generate force and power and strength, and you look at the attention to detail and the amount of technique work. And you know what? There's very rarely any point during their technique work where they have a high heart rate. You know, at the end, they do conditioning little burners to stay in shape. Uh, you think about swimming. I mean, everything is based upon learning movement skills and then forcing people to replicate those. So I think the problem becomes is that, uh, you know, we're trying to take a model for developing fitness as CrossFit has defined it, and we're trying to apply it to developing young athletes, and it just doesn't work in the same way. And, um, you know, but here's the thing. People think they know everything. What do you mean? It worked for me. It should work here, and it doesn't. Um, you know, there's a reason. Uh, you know, you look at the best athletes in the world, and a lot of them did not come from the confines of a gym. You know, I mean, you can go watch the kids in uh, Brazil play futsal. You can watch, uh, uh, you know, the kid, you know, kids all over. I mean, you watch some of the best uh, running backs and, and baseball players and just different people in terms of sport development. They did not develop those skills at, you know, expensive academies or, uh, you know, in the confines of a gym. They developed that shit on the street, playing games, playing endless amounts of opportunity to do these things and compete against other people. Through space. Through space to accomplish known or novel tasks. So what, what do you tell that gym owner or gen pop parent to do with their kids? Well, they should bring them. But you know what their parents should, or the, the gym owner should do? Come take the power athlete methodology, come through our block one, and let us give you a better skill set so that you can develop these athletes and not be a one-trick pony. I'm tired of one-trick ponies. I'm tired of people that show up to a job with one tool, a hammer. Let me give you more tools. And you know what? A lot of times they're going to have to put their fucking egos on the shelf. Like, dude, uh, we the I, I'm never in my life, and I'm telling you this straight up. Uh, I played in the NFL for ten years, hung out with Tom Brady, knew knew some of the best players from Peyton Manning, and I have seen smaller egos and more approachable, easier to be around people in the NFL than what I've seen in the CrossFit community. I believe that actually. I mean, come on, dude. Like, mm-hmm. f- like fucking like it's it's exercise, dude. Like like wearing goofy shit and exercising, fucking like it it just. Like, take you like fucking take a step back, check perspective, fucking be humble, and you know what? Just let's not make any illusions about it. I, I played in the NFL. You know what? I got paid a lot of money to push around other fucking fat guys in spandex. You think I was curing cancer? No. There was fucking seventy five, hundred thousand drunk dudes in the in the fans screaming, trying to kick each other's ass. Why I pushed around dudes in the heat? Do I make any illusions about it? No. I know exactly who I was. And you know what? Was I fucking cocky or conceited or felt like I got a big chip on my shoulder? No, never. Because, dude, uh, you know, there's people over there doing much more important jobs than what I'm doing, fucking entertainer. 
So realize you're fucking entertaining people. And you know what? Like a lot of the girls like working out in fucking bra and spandex, I fucking salute you. But goddamn, dudes ain't showing up to fucking watch you fucking do thrusters. Watching you fucking because you're showing up pretty much training naked. So you're suggesting we start crossfitting in snow gear? No, but like honestly, like the Jared Wayne Stevens, like really, you just fucking rolling spandex, no mm-hmm. shirt. Like come on, dude. Like fucking throw some shorts on. I mean, if you're fucking spandex shorts, if, 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 if you had a 12 inch hammer, maybe, but you ain't got it. <laughs> so Ooh. I, I believe, and you know, Kelly's yeah. going to cut most of the shit. I don't so. care. No, I I'm believe. So I definitely see you with the, the humbling factor because sport, it's the ultimate humbler, right? It's that moment where you get overpowered despite of all the effort and you still have to show up or take the next pitch and do the next play. So I don't know. How do you apply humbling to fitness? to coaches you don't because it's the effort that's applauded right because the whole and here's the thing for the for the people who need it it works try your hardest and you'll get in better shape right but now the the problem about my personal opinion here the problem at the the competitive level of the sport of fitness is effort is celebrated and no one's a fucking loser Right, you miss a snatch, people love you because they can relate. But you're a warrior on the platform and that type of stuff, man. But you miss your fucking assignment on Sunday in front of fucking 150 drunk people, plus me being drunk. You're gonna get motherfucked. Not to mention the millions of viewers on TV. Not to mention the Sports Center highlight, and not to mention your fucking films and getting the boot up the ass from your fucking coach. Or, so, or, 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 or even think about like Olympic athletes. Like that was something that um, you know I really appreciated talking with Woodsky and uh, uh, you know some of the other cats. I mean, these dudes train their entire life for that f- for for one moment mm-hmm. of excellence, and like that four years. And you know what? Nobody applauds fucking effort. Mm-hmm. What they applaud is whether or not you are the best or not. And you could throw your lifetime PR, and another dude beats you. And you know it's it's it, and you're and, a fart in the wind, yeah, and you're and fucking and gone in a second, dude. It, it's it's. It's fucking, it's interesting. Like, um, uh, I've, like, it's probably, um, you know, like, a, a, you know, just, fuck, I don't even know how to describe it. But what kind of gets me a little bit is, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, CrossFit has done more in terms of getting people off the couch and introducing to barbells than any other fucking thing since, you know, uh, like in the history of the world, mm. it's it's increasing lifespans. Uh, it's, it's improving quality well, it, of life, one hundred percent. And so you run into something like um, really the only part. I mean, as as much as I you know I appreciate conditioning and whatever. I mean, I like to lift weights. Um, the one thing that I always found which was great was that CrossFit introduced more people to barbells. Um, you know, that's why when we hear the Ben Bergeons of the world talk about you know strength is overrated, don't lift weights in your gym. I think to myself, if there wasn't fucking weightlifting in the gym, uh, at, I I wouldn't fucking go there. Um, you know, I'll fucking, I'll, I'll do the conditioning. I'll do the stupid fucking, um, um, you know, uh, triplets, couplets and all that just as an excuse to come in and bang weights with people. I'm fine with that. But if you take all that shit away and you basically just turn it into fucking Barry's boot camp, uh, it, you know, with fucking Reebok branding and fucking booty shorts, then you know what? And some fucking severe caloric restriction, then you know what? Then, then who the fuck are we? You know, like, uh, just really hungry people. Yeah. Like fucking dude. Uh, you know, and the interesting part is um, it's not complicated, right? No. Sleep, you know, like sleep seven, eight hours, 
you know, fucking, you know, eat real food. Uh, don't be a fucking weirdo. Lift some weights, sprint, run. I mean, go outside on a Saturday and do fucking, you know, three or four hours worth of, uh, you know, uh, you know, outside work. You know, people that are out there, they're like measuring almonds and have to go to the gym and, you know, and just do some shit. Like, uh, like I live that life, but because it was my full-time job. Like, uh, and you know what? Like, it's, it's, um, I, I like my level of fitness now. I mean, shit, man. Like, we go outside. I mean, shit, dude. I had uh, three days of not only fucking cutting pallet racks and doing that and working at the, you know, at the place we're out here. I mean, shit, dude. That's legitimate. Like, dragging a log out of the fucking river. That's legitimate fitness. Showing me that you can do fucking muscle ups does nothing for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I got a fucking 80 foot log that we had to cut up and drag out of the fucking river with a fucking chain that weighed 300 pounds. That's your fucking level of fitness. Come on, show show me what you got. And if you're wearing fucking spandex and no shirt, you're gonna get bit by a lot of fucking bugs. Yeah, fuck yeah, I got these bug bites from just sitting outside of Starbucks, Jesus dude. Fucking Christ, there's a lot of bugs here. Um, but uh, you know, like here's the thing, like uh, you know, and Luke always tells me where my perspective is fucked up that he was the dude in the cube and like mm-hmm. this allowed him and like for that, like I'm always fucking will believe that this is better than what else is out there. But I have to think like balance is the key to this and at the end of the day like um, i always go back to who was the who was the climber dude that we had on uh, rob uh, rob miller who mm-hmm. talked about these uh, athleticism you know circles mm-hmm. and uh he talked about it he's like man I, I i i thought that somehow chasing the metabolic conditioning the glycolytic pathway would help me with my climbing and it didn't what helped me with my climbing was lifting weights being strong and then getting out there and yeah. fucking climbing. being in pretty good shape yeah, he's like just being strong and getting out there and doing my stuff. Mm-hmm. Which at the end of the day, if you lift weights, you do a little bit of conditioning, and then you go out and you actually do stuff, that's that's your measure of fitness. Not telling me how fast you did your fucking Michael time because it's fucking, you know. Uh, Isn't that the run backwards one? Uh, that was like, no. That was the, um, I forgot what that is, but god damn, if I was a... Uh, if that if if I was the guy that that hero wad and they had the 800 meter backwards run, I'd be like, oh god, fucking shoot me. <laughs> so um, I'm just trying to, I guess, suggest action for the audience if this makes the cut. Mm-hmm. No, but, but well, here's the, the thing, dude. We but, we're, we're we're really an uneducated consumer when it comes to strength conditioning. So, but but it's funny the people that aren't find people like us. Mm-hmm. And I hate to, you know, and I, I don't want to sound elitist, but I have to think, like, what we're doing is, it's pretty good, but it's super basic. Like, like first of all, you know, know thyself. Know who you are. Know where you're fit within the training. Like, train specific within your wheelhouse, who you are, what you can do. Don't try to do other people's shit. Know, know thyself. And the problem is, is that if the only marker you have for improvement is what you look in the mirror, you're going to be fucking depressed. And if the only marker you have for improvement is chasing, uh, you know, a bunch of other, like, you know, like the numbers, like, hey, you know what, I, I somehow did this workout faster, I must be fitter. Yeah, like, that's a good measure. But you have to be able to test your fitness and use your fitness in other ways. And if you look at the original CrossFit stuff, it was. Learn new sports regularly. Uh, you know, I remember Rob Wolf talking about showing up at the gym to go train an old um, CrossFit HQ. And fucking Glassman had a whole bunch of fucking mountain bikes. And they used to fucking ride out in the mountains and fucking do a bunch of bike riding stuff. So, I mean, they did a lot of constantly varied stuff. Dude, they swam. They did things. The problem becomes is that that model is kind of a, what they've abandoned. And now it's all this basically chasing fucking, uh, you know, uh, you know, 
uh, glycolytic pathway, you know, GPP, you know, kettlebells and box jumps, you know, uh, uh, you know, triplet couplet, let's do this, you know, girl. I mean, it, it just, there's no, there's not enough variation because as a coach, that's not what people fucking want, right? They just want to come in and get torched. And so, so that's where I don't, I, I like the games. I enjoyed what they've done. So I don't think it's HQ that's gone that way. I think it's just people do what they like. People do what their gen pop wants. And then that negatively affects and what I'm seeing. I'm just worried about the, the fucking the people's kids mm-hmm. because the, the amount of baseball players and volleyball players that we've seen fucked up from repetitive movement. Mm-hmm. And this is repetitive movement. Um, just worried about the future because, you know, lifting weights, fucking sprinting and moving through space has provided me so much. Mm-hmm. I, I just want kids to have that. I think Tex, it's just, it's a life cycle element. You're going to have a generation and population of parents who are going to influence the activity of of their kids, right? I mean, my old man didn't fucking know. He never lifted weights. But a guy who was really smart said, your kids should be lifting weights. And he's like, all right, fucking go lift some weights. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be put in that. Now, I'm curious if fast forward and uh, let's say it was still 14-year-old Luke, would I... Would somebody, one of his fucking patients come and be like, oh, you got to get your kid in this CrossFit thing. It's going to be great for his football. Probably, right? So it starts, I guess, with the gym owner. Like our approach has to be what our whole model is, right? Coach to coach. Yeah. It's coach to coach. So that when, you know, kids walk into CrossFit Lakeway, Harry Shaw's gym, you know, not, he knows not to fucking put him in the gym pop deal. He knows he's these are athletes, right? They got a squat, step, lunge, sprint, run, and follow some sort of program based off of proficiency of movement, progression, a level of individuality, right? All the things that we talk about in the PAM one course. Um, but dude, I look back to when I was a coach, CrossFit coach, and the, the, I didn't know. It's just, it's like, it's a life cycle thing, man. And that life cycle varies from coach to coach, right? There are people out there and I have friends who are opening up gyms right now and I'm just trying to fucking shake them like Billy Madison, you know, Stay here. <laughs> like, but more so like, don't believe what you believe. Like, just don't believe because you think it's the answer. And I remember thinking it was the answer. And I don't even know fucking why when I was running that gym, I just thought, what we were doing was the answer. It was the solution for everything. And then fucking Wellborn and crew came in and blew it all up. And I like, you know, I, I think I've told this story a number of times, but like I walked away from that, the first CrossFit football seminar feeling lied to. Like someone had fucking lied to me. Co- that's cognitive dissonance. I know. That's what I was trying to tell you the whole time, but you don't listen to me. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like uh, it's. And to it's, clarify real quick, John, the of all my assumptions and assertions prior to that event, you know, and it was an eye opening experience walking away from that seminar because like chaos wasn't the answer order was right. And making order of the chaos. And then you just like, you you try it and everyone's fucking better. It's like, what the fuck, you know? Well, well, if you think about this, Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, whether or not people agree or disagree, uh, you know, strength is a platform in which everything else is built. Mm-hmm. Uh, all things being equal, the stronger athlete will always be the better athlete. Um, you know, I mean, we know a stronger athlete's a faster athlete. Now, 
you know, there's definitely a point where, you know, you are so strong or you're too strong that it takes away, it negatively affects. But if you like are talking about, you know, hey, I want to be better at this. Usually, hey, if you are stronger, you will usually do better. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, people are always looking to try to crack this code and do all these things. And it's like, dude, it's really not all that complicated. Um, You know, but the problem is, is that we're still relatively in the infancy and you have people that are literally just modeling this thing and trying to see through it, see through it, see through it. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, like it's so subjective for, for, for what we're trying to do. I mean, it's like, okay, so, um, uh, you know, Crossy goes, Hey, you know, the, we're, we're searching for the fittest person on the planet as Mm -hmm. per Dave Castro's selection. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if John Welborn selects the fitness, is there a different fit person? Yes. hundred percent because we're all going to favor different things. You know, is, uh, you know, the fittest person would be like, um, everybody gets to select a different workout and then we get to throw them in a hopper and select them. It's just not Dave Castro picking them all. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, you know, as per Dave's, you know, deal, uh, you know, and Cross has always made the claim, like, if you're better than us, then come and show us you're better than us, mm-hmm. you know? And like, uh, you know, and anytime somebody puts up, like, you know, I saw it was like men's health put up, like, you know, the, uh, the fittest man on the planet was uh, like Ronaldo. You know, um, and they like people were freaking out. That's like three or four, like a while ago. Yeah, and like people were like losing their mind, and it's like, well, you know, as per your definition, cross, uh, you know, uh, Rich Froning is the guy, but is Rich Froning also out there playing, you know, the the world's you know top sport, which is soccer, the Mm -hmm. biggest amount deal, making fucking, you know, what does he make like two hundred million dollars a year? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Ronaldo, helicopter money. Oh, dude. He's fucking private jet money. I mean, so Jeez. so so for him, uh, his ability to go do his job and perform at a high level, he has a fitness that allows him to do his job and be the best in the world. Mm-hmm. So like for me, and I've always said it is, fitness is personal to what you need it. Am I fit enough to go out and fucking drag an yeah. 80 foot task, log out of a- Task specific. specific yeah, uh, to drag a, 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 task an, an, 80, yeah, an 80 foot log out of a fucking river. Yes, for my mm-hmm. fitness, that's what I needed to do. Uh, could I take somebody and say, hey, you know what? Um, you know, I need somebody from the CrossFit Games to come help me. Mm-hmm. Is there a good chance that they might not be able to do it? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, like, can can Tom Die help me? No. Fuck But no. can he sit on a tractor and do it? Yes, because he's fucking task-specific <laughs> on a tractor. Uh, I just think that we we need to get away from this idea of fitness being general. I think your fitness depends on what you needed to do. Mm-hmm. And what we looked at, and especially with the training programs, I've always said that I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to develop power athletes. I'm trying to develop strong, stable, proficient, uh, proficient, you know, good movers that are able to be strong, generate force, power. I mean, all these other key factors so that I provide them all of these tools so that they can step out into the realm of fucking reality and out of a, uh, you know, fake reality. And fucking use it for something, whether it's sprint through a wall, do all these other key factors, play football, do a sport, do this. And uh, I think that's what I want for people. I want them to have a base level of fitness that allows them to do what they need it to do. Like, if your fitness only extends in the gym and you can't use it in fucking the real world, like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm great at this, but I can't fucking hike Kilimanjaro. Um, I can't do this or I can't fucking help you carry your couch. Like, you're, you're, you're no longer useful. Mm-hmm. I that the beauty is in the slim simplicity where you said, I just want to build good movers. Yeah. And then our definition of athleticism moving and then the, the value of a base level of strength. And then in the course, we go into the depth of what it actually means, a base level of strength, which goes into good movers, biomechanical efficiency, 
if you have a base level of strength, you're more coachable, which then gives you more opportunities well, in practice. So and so on. So as you guys know, we, we moved to Texas and I bought 16 acres and uh, we've been building a facility, but there's a lot of other things that kind of go into this. Like we got like a massive 40 foot storage container uh, that, um, you know, we have put on the side. And so I've been basically went and bought pallets and, uh, you know, drove down to San Antonio to some fucking abandoned warehouse and basically loaded pallet to get pallets to bring back and put pallets in the container. You don't have to and, leave and, the uh, part out where you bullied the staff and then. Oh, I you. totally did. I walked in. It was like nine in the morning. <laughs> hey, these fuckers you were fuck back. Get over here. I, I was like over there measuring them. I started grabbing shit, and then I was like, "Hey, you, what are you doing?" The guys like, oh, "I'm just waiting for him to tell me what to do." No, you're with me. So I fucking wrangled the staff. We load my whole truck with like literally like thousands of pounds of pallets, which I shouldn't have done. Fucking strap that thing up, drive it home, and then I got to unload all that shit. And then not only do that, I got to assemble these massive fucking pallets. We got to cut them, get them all in there. And it's like, dude, it was a shit ton of work. And I remember at one point, like Kate came up with the kids and uh, she's like, good thing you're strong. And she's like, good thing that, you know, she's like, what would other normal people do? And I'm yeah, like, they yeah. would fucking call somebody. I remember, yeah, I remember thinking that as well. I forget what the fuck we were doing. I'm like, what do you know? What do what do normal people do? Or people that aren't physical. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, or like digging concrete or like, you know, we're out there doing these things or, you know, uh, any of the shit that I've had to do at my property. Uh, I always think like, what would somebody who wasn't physically inclined do? Like, who would you call for most of this shit? And, you know, or even like some of like the, uh, you know, stuff like we've been working on Tom's truck. Like I'm over there trying to move these fucking axles. And I'm thinking to myself, like, like we can either lift this thing or we can get Tom on the forklift. And he's like, dude, let me get the forklift. I'm like, nah, fuck it. Let's lift this shit. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, man. Like, uh, like I think people have been sold a bill of goods and, um, it's not, it's not a negative. It's not a bad thing. They've just been sold something that I think is not exactly what they need. Um, I think, well, I mean, I don't think anyone's telling them that there's, Hey man, there's other shit. Like check, check your fucking blind spot. The coaches spot. don't know. Yeah. Check your blind spot. Look around. Experience other shit. Well, and, I mean, isn't it kind of the elitist attitude? Like, oh, you oh know, I don't know. Like, I mean, and, and I we, we used to run it all the time. I mean, back in the day, because like, you know, pe people would come in and they would have this, you know, straight up like fucking dichotomy. Uh, this, you know, this emotional fucking, you know, uh, battle of Star Wars, you know, the force, the good versus the light, where like, you know, they would listen to what I would talk about in terms of like, you know, cross the football power athlete, what we do. And they, and they, the problem is, is that the only looking glass they had to analyze it came from what they knew of CrossFit. And I'm like, dude, I'm not training for fitness. Fitness isn't the end goal. Performance is. And like they couldn't rectify what we were talking about because they didn't have a big enough skill set. They hadn't been exposed to enough. They hadn't done enough. Um, you know, I mean, the first day... When uh, all of a sudden you go out or, or just case in point, like let's say, for example, your car runs out of gas. What do you do? You sit in the car and you fucking call 911. You call the, you know, AAA. Or are you strong enough to get out and push your fucking car out of traffic? Mm -hmm. Right? Just a car care that you fucking did a, you know, four-minute fran or that you did this or this? No, the car only knows that it weighs fucking 3,000 pounds. And it fucking, let's say your tires aren't fucking inflated well, and you might have to get behind it and steer and push your fucking car out of traffic. Because how often do people uh, stop and help you? Not very often. Mm -hmm. And at that point, are you thinking to yourself, God damn it, I'm so glad I went to this CrossFit gym and did fucking 95-pound thrusters. And uh, yeah. No. What are you thinking? I have to push this fucking car. And you know what? You might not be able to push it, 
Because we know, because I fucking come up yeah. on people that haven't been able to push their car. And you know what? The last time I did it, I got out and the guy went to help. And I'm like, no, get in there and steer. I'll push your fucking car. And the guy like looked at me and I was like, I don't even want your help. Just you steer, bitch. I had to pass by a guy because we were on the way. To, we had a flight. And, and, and I'm like, I, ah, I'm supposed to fucking help this guy. Right? And I pushed his car out of traffic. And the dude was like so thankful. And I remember him thinking, and he even said to me, he's like, dude, if you hadn't come, I don't know what I'd done. I was not strong enough to mm-hmm. push it out of, out of traffic. And I and it, there was and he didn't say like I wasn't fit enough, mm-hmm. I wasn't able, I didn't have the right shoes, I wasn't strong enough. Mm-hmm. Be fucking strong enough to live in society. Like mm-hmm. I mean, and that's that's part of the thing. Like dude, like like uh, have a uh, basic understanding and like some of these basic analogies. I'm like, dude, like yeah, I want you to be fit, dude. I want you to have abs, like dude, like go for it. But at the end of the day, fucking you know, like. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it it's just a different mindset, man. And I well, and, and, and it's and, and like I said, it's it's not a bad thing because what CrossFit has done more than anything is it's put barbells in people's hands. The problem is is where I get fired up is when people start fucking um, eschewing the training, start stop making it heavy where it just turns into fucking Barry's boot camp because mm-hmm. that's what their fucking members they want. Fucking give them a heavy dose of iron and teach them the same fucking lessons that I learned. Yeah. And you know what? And I guarantee, uh, you know, you can say, Oh, whatever, dude, like Dude, I wasn't the best athlete. I wasn't the guy who was fucking destined to go play in the NFL in this, dude. I fucking built this shit out of countless hours, and I know something about perseverance and not giving up. When other people said, "Don't, you'll never do this, you suck, you'll do that, I fucking persevered because, you know what, I'm too stupid to give up. Like That's why you guys always joke, like, so what's the mission statement for power athlete? World domination. That's it. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, that's why, I, and, and I, I won't stop until that's, that's done. And however we get there, by, by hook or crook, we'll fucking get there. But you know what? Like, what else am I going to do? Am I going to go fucking kick a can across America or kick a rock or fucking feel bad for myself? No, fuck that. You know what we're going to do? We're going to fucking build everything we need. We're going to fucking do it. We're going to turn the lights on. And you know what? Just like Field of Dreams. If you build it, they'll come. Mm-hmm. And I fucking know that. And you know what? And, and if I fail with that mentality, it wasn't a lost life. I will happily fucking go to my grave knowing that I fucking tried to change something that I saw was wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking getting people into a mindset that uh, is, is fucking broken, man. Like, and the problem is, is, dude, they've been convinced that there's a fucking correlation between you know, fitness and athleticism. And, dude, my goal is I want to make people, I want to get people on the athleticism continuum, and I want them to start fucking down it. And I want them to be better athletes or better versions of themselves at 70 that they were at 20. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's fucking, that's what I want. Starts right here, bitches. Mic drop. I'm hungry. One hour 45. All questions answered. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. This is Luke. That's Tex. Tex. That's John. This goes back to, you know, be the change. Your yeah. speech from the last Dude, symposium. What, what, what have I always said, man? Like people always look around for somebody else to do something. And it, it, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, I mean, just to, you know, do it, but like people always like, you know, how, how many times have you been like, oh yeah, hey, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Are you the guy that calls up and it's like, hey dude, let's do this. No, I thought it was, that's a terrible idea. What time? What time? Yeah. But I mean like, <laughs> like, hey, uh, like, and, and that's the thing. Like people were always waiting. I remember when I was a kid, I remember, uh, I, like, you know, my, my brothers, uh, were doing something and I was like. I kind of like made this realization that I hung out with my brothers all the time and I didn't really have any other friends, like a couple friends. But like, and I said to my mom, I'm like, uh, like I don't really have a ton of other friends, like people that I would call or whatever. And my mom's like, you know how you, uh, how you make friends? You'd be a friend. Probably you are not a good friend because you hang out with your brothers all the time. 
And I remember thinking about that and I'm like, man, if I want to, if I want to have a friend and I want to, uh, and I want to like do, I have to reach out to people and I have to be, I can't just sit back at the dude at the bar and wait for people to come to me. Like it doesn't work. And, um, and I realized long ago that like, if you want to like have fun and you want to have great experiences, whatever, you just start with fucking putting yourself out there and saying yes. And you know what? Like, think about how many opportunities people are like, oh, hey, let's do this. And you're like, ah, like Luke, hey, you want to go to Eggfest? Nah. Nah. And I'm like, I'll pay for it. Let's go. And then he went, he's like, <laughs> I would have missed one of the best times of my life. But I'll I be the first one to admit that. And I tell that to Tex all the time. Like, on Travel. most of our trips, I'm like, eh, fuck it. Let's just chill, man. I'm tired. And he's like, fuck, get off your ass. I'm like, okay. Yeah, you know, but the good thing I'm easy to fucking convince. Like, yeah, peer pressure no, is the it's, bitch. It, it's true. Like, I mean, you know, like we had a dope place in California. Mm-hmm. We had a nice existence and everything was all set up. And you know what we did? We said, fuck it. Get rid of it all. Pull the ripcord. Yeah, pull the ripcord. We're going to go. And uh, fucking after I spent four years rebuilding a house, literally to perfection to what I liked, sold it and moved to a fucking place. Now I got to do it all over again. And like, dude, it's it's a shit ton of work. Like I had no concept of how much work 16 acres would be, especially in Texas, which is a fucking weed. State's an entire weed. It just grows everything nonstop. Uh, it's a daily fist fight. Like, uh, like dude, like, and it's just, is nonstop, but you know what? Like, fuck it. Like, what else am I going to do? Sit at home and fucking watch TV all day. No. Tempting. No, I mean, dude, like, <laughs> like it, it, it's added a new dimension of, uh, of our lives. And like, uh, I'm, I'm excited for, for the opportunity. I'm fucking super excited for this new fucking building and having our own facility. I'm excited for all the, all, all the, the fun shit. And, um, uh, you know what? Like we're going to be the change. And um, if you guys listen to this, which I'm sure Callie will cut most of this, but um, you know what? Like, fucking be the change and, you know, get get on because, uh, you know, we're going to fucking steamroll this bitch. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. A second mic drop. Mic drop number two. Thank Peace. you for listening to the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Conditioning. All right, people. Out. Bye. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. If John thought I was going to edit out some of those rants, he wrong. I thought they were appropriate and totally on point because people get involved in fitness and training for a myriad of reasons. We don't have to agree with all of them. Do you agree? Disagree? Or have an innovative solution to stowing tennis balls? Well, get your rear to Austin, Texas, December 8th through 10th for the 2017 Power Athlete Symposium. Tickets can be found by going to www.powerathletehq.com backslash events. All seating arrangements will be based on personal preference. John, are you just going to keep rubbing my foot all show or what's the deal? Until next time, bye!